You're listening to XVGM Radio, and this is in memory and celebration of Ryu Umimoto.
Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 9, in memory and celebration of Ryu Umamoto. This is going to be a little bit different of an episode. It's a little bit, little bit more emotional, I would say. We're going to be talking about a composer who is no longer with us, unfortunately. He passed on. He was born in February 18th of 1974, and he lived until August 16th, 2011. So we just recently hit the, what, the seventh anniversary of his yeah. passing. Yeah. So he was 37 years old, and uh, Ryu Umamoto was mostly known for his uh, PC-98 and FM Towns music, Sharp X68000, as well as his soundtracks that he did with Cave, uh, like yep. some of his shooter soundtracks, shoot 'em, shooty shooty games, <laughs> shooty shooty, shooty shooty, and, uh, and and a few visual novels. Yes, visual novels and eroge games, also known as like erotic uh, visual novels and whatnot. So we're going to be touching on some games that are pretty tough to track down. We were able to get a <laughs> bunch of information, but what's really interesting that we're going to do is we're going to go through his entire life for the most part. So I know that sounds boring, but it's not. <laughs> it, he lives. He lived an incredible tale, which we'll be able to tell you, and uh, he actually learned something about himself, about his family and his history, which oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was pretty shocking to me. It, it's, it's pretty cool. So stick around for this one. I think you'll really enjoy it. The track that brought us in was Xenon Fantasy Body. That's the name of the game. And that was on the PC-98 and FM Towns. The specific version that this was, that we played, was the YM-2203 sound chip version of the game and the soundtrack. So the track itself is called Xenon as well. So what did you think of this track? <laughs> this track was, was really epic. I it was mean, epic, yeah. It's, it's what we were saying while we were listening to it, just like mm-hmm. it was a really epic track. But the the epicness of the track, I was not prepared for. Like it, was, <laughs> it, it was sort of massive. Like It's not the longest VGM sure. uh, that, I, that we've ever listened to. Right. But like epic doesn't always necessarily mean length. Mm. Uh, in, in, the, in this case, I think just sort of the, the journey that the song takes you on is, is, is where I would draw the line for epic. I mean, I wouldn't draw a line, but... Mm. Um, I mean, No, the, you draw that line. Sometimes you just gotta draw a line in the sand. S- sometimes. Ask yourself, what am I willing? No. <laughs> not gonna finish that. I mean, the track itself was six <clears throat> minutes long. Ab- it, approximately six minutes. So it was really? a long... It, yeah. didn't, it actually didn't, didn't it, feel that long. It doesn't, because huh. it just keeps building and building, yeah. and you don't... It's not repetitive, it's simplistic in nature but it just keeps building on itself and it keeps getting like more and more energetic and more and more just emotional to me yeah, this I was, was a very emotional track that, I was, that was the next thing I was going to say actually is mm-hmm. that the track itself felt very emotional mm-hmm. like the, the more you listen to it you kind of you kind of feel this this thing welling up inside of you whether yeah. it's you know being created by the, the the music or not is is up to you and your your brain but the thing that I that I loved sort of like drove the entire thing was that like chug I don't think chuggy is the right word but that bass line that was right maybe right, it was chuggy yeah but yeah it was it was so so well done it didn't just stay on on, on a couple of notes like it moved it moved in different keys yeah like the, the song didn't change key but the the bass line moved along with the, the the melody which was really really nice yeah no it it builds and builds upon itself kind of like building up the track and making it more and more epic but at the same time because of that, you've got a lot of layers of things that are going on yep. with those lead melodies and harmonies, and they're all kind of spiraling off on their own direction, you know, kind of taking you to different places in the track. So I, I thought that this was a fantastic way to bring in the episode. Uh, you know, uh, Umemoto has often been called 
the Yuzo Koshiro of the like Japanese computers, like the PC-98, hmm. the Sharp X68000, the FM Towns. So a lot of the tracks that we're going to be playing are mostly focused on those systems. And then, you know, we're doing some later tracks uh, as well from like his cave days when he was with the company cave. Right, right. So yeah, it's a really interesting history on himself. So we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. First, we want to talk about Xenon. So Xenon, not to be confused with the shooter of the same name, uh, this game was developed by Seasware, and it's an etchy novel or a rogue novel. Right. Basically an erotic graphic no- or visual novel. Uh, so going back and forth between a dream world on a space station and in a real-life high school setting, the main character Koji has the ability to alter his dreams and reality based on the choices he makes. Also, there's naughty giblets. I mean, <laughs> you know, heck, it is a teenager's mind. So. Right, right. That, that, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, this, the, the company that, that developed the game Seasware yeah. is sort of known for these types of games. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about their history as well uh, and what they expected of Umemoto. But why don't we get started just like briefly talking about just a brief factoid on who... Umemoto was. So, as you said earlier, Umemoto was born on February 18, 1974. Um, His parents were in the fishing industry, uh, and as a curious child, he sought for more than just the work that he eventually would do with his family's fish company. Right. So, we're going to dive into our next track. This is the first track of the episode, and this is Square Resort. It's on the Sharp X68000. This is the OPN version, and this came out in 1992, and the track is called Sound Test Number 9, also called Tank 2.
Welcome back, dear listeners. That was Square Resort, which was released on the Sharp X68000. It was released in 1992, and that was the OPN version. The track was called Sound Test Number 9, also known as Tank 2. Yes. And that was pretty dang sweet. Yeah, that was um, awesome. Yeah, you get anything with a slap bass, and I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty much all over it. I mean, obviously, there, there needs to be more than that. It needs to actually sound good, but sure. uh, it did. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> the drum track or the, yeah. drum, the drum part was really solid too oh absolutely um, I, I, I like I heard it and sort of felt in the beginning but at the end as it was going out there um, I was really really digging what he was doing on the drums yeah it's really interesting this track because the rhythm section the bass and the drums makes this track sound like a punk song yes yes you know what it I does. mean with that it sounds like a really like heavy driving punk track but then You've got these like very floaty keyboards that are just like very Sega-ish. You know, it's this funny. track is really kind of reeks of Sega. It, it's funny that you say that because that's one of the things that I was going to say is hmm. it, with the the bass and the, the melody in there, yeah. it reminds me of a Sonic track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Oh. Or even like some of their arcade games that yep. they came out with. I was going to say Outrun. Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. sounds a lot like something from Outrun. So, so It's so cool, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's totally like it's a different machine. Mm-hmm. And it, it they, they got... I mean, I don't think he was trying to, but he, he got it sure. to sound so much like like something else. One of the other comparisons that I made is um, closer to the end, uh, near the breakdown, it almost sounds uh, like a Gradius track. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. This is the OPN version specifically for the sound chip, so this episode we're really not going to be diving too much into the differences between like OPN, OPNA, anything like that. Uh, Good going o- for future episodes. Yeah, I mean, uh, if... Anyone listen to the PC98 episode that I did with Pixel Tunes Radio? That's a really good mm. way to kind of dive deep into the meaning of those chips because we did tackle those in that episode. But right. I, I wanted this episode to be more about his music and his right. legacy and everything. So, yeah, Square Resort is a game released by FamilySoft, and this appears to be an action puzzle game from the footage that I saw, I've seen of it. We didn't play any of these games, unfortunately, just weren't able to. Um, most of them are on really archaic systems and just did not have the time or, or yeah. ability to, <laughs> to grab them all and, and play them. So, but uh, we did watch uh, extensive amounts of footage to see it. So, yeah, this is like an action puzzle game where you move a small ship, uh, like this little robot ship. It kind of looks like one of those old, like like the mouses with the like red ball on the top that you can like manu- maneuver, like manipulate. You're talking about like a trackball? Yeah, yeah, here? like almost like a trackball. Oh, so okay. it's like the trackball's on the top. Yeah. And you've got the mouse, so... It kind of looks like one of those. Uh, There's levels that are surfaces that you can move around on. And your task, I think, is to go to the four corners and take out these, like, four silver discs by firing your ball cannon at it. So you launch your balls at it. However, there are other cannons in the middle of the screen that will fire back at you, as well as, like, enemy mice, mouses, meese. Mice. Mice. That will spawn to kill you. So it's it's all very confusing. Not a lot of narrative in the game, but it's definitely intriguing. I've seen some some art from the game, and it's like anime. Yeah. But the actual gameplay itself looks like very European. <laughs> so it's like, what is this game? Like I don't even know. So it seems like a like a score game. Yeah. Um, like, like you know you're 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 playing out playing for a story. You're playing to rack up a score and get high score and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Sort of like Choo Choo Rocket. Yes. So yeah, that's the game. That's the soundtrack. I haven't really listened to much else on the soundtrack. I I found this track and it really kind of grabbed me. So I figured I'd. 
play it for you guys. So, you know, maybe we're a little misleading in the beginning of the episode where we said this is going to be an emotional journey. I guess it kind of is because you're going through different stages of his life and we're going to be talking a little bit about the man behind the music and everything, but... Um, it's not like every single song is going to be super sappy or sad. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I think as we as we get further into it and we talk more about his life, mm-hmm. um, it'll it'll be more apparent like what we mean. But, right. Um, and it definitely it's not a matter of every every song is going to be very serious. There's some songs that I hear that are going to be pretty silly. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. That's true. So speaking of which, let's get into our next track. So what do you got for us? So next up, we're going to listen to a track off of Mobile Suit Gundam, A Year of War. That came out in the PC-98 in 1993, and the track is called Zion 05. So it was also co-composed by Toyo Kusanagi. Mobile Suit Gundam, A Year of War, which was released on the PC-98 in 1993. The track was Zion 05, and that was co-composed by Toyo Kusanagi. Yes, I like this one. It's interesting because it's not an action-based track. I think this is more probably one of those things where like, it's a map, or it's one of those things where it's like a dialogue cutscene sort of thing, but it keeps a nice pace and it keeps the energy kind of flowing throughout the entire track. Uh, keeps me guessing throughout the entire track as well. It's definitely not something I would normally listen to, but it's still something that I can appreciate for what it is. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I, I listened to most of the songs on this uh, on the soundtrack for this game, and. Not that this blew me out of the water or anything, but I I specifically like this track mm-hmm. because it was it, it felt very relaxed. I'm pretty sure this was used during like I said like a like in a dialogue scene. Um, the other thing that drew me to this track is like if I close my eyes while I listen to it, um, it feels sort of like almost like in. A, a a game like the, an opening sequence where like like say Blaster Master or something mm. where you where things are being revealed you, you see the character walking around and then like the lights come on and there's a truck there or like the 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 bo- bottom of a spaceship opens dropping out you know a fighter plane or mm. something like that um, and it's just it, it's sort of what I felt when I when I listened to this song and mm. it was it was really neat I also liked um sort of like the the, the 
intro track that we came in on, it, it has this like layered effect where it, it starts out on sort of like one or two instruments and it just sort of builds and builds on itself. Hmm. I think that you're going to see a lot of, of that from Umimoto and yeah. his music. <laughs> he definitely has a little bit of a pattern when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, aside from the Square Resorts track that we listened to, I, I think that was a, a lot more of a driving song. And this, when it comes to like writing more atmospheric type tracks i think that he generally tends to start at point a and then somehow make it to point b Mm -hmm. so it's like he has to figure out how to get from point a to point b and make it loop right so i I think that's what he's going for right right so just for a little bit of background for those who may not be familiar with it mobile suit gundam is a fairly famous mecha anime from the late 70s early 80s with many continuations spin-offs and alternate universes uh, a Year of War, specifically this game, uh, was developed and published by FamilySoft, uh, and it's a game that acts as a prequel to the original series. Um, oh. There was another game that actually came before it, um, released the same year, called Return of Zeon. In this game, you play on the side of Zeon, which are often viewed as the bad guys or the antagonists in the original anime. Although, due to the complex nature of war, the sort of the way that they tell the stories in the, these Gundam anime, um, there's sort of a strong running theme of, you know, not all the Federation characters, the uh, Federations are the quote-unquote good guys, but not mm-hmm. all the Federation characters are good, and not all the Zeon characters were really evil. There's right. sort of this ambiguousness and people sort of fighting for what, uh, for what mm-hmm. they feel is right. So it makes sense that, you know, you would have a game where you play on the side of Zeon because not everybody was was a bad guy so you're just <laughs> doing what you're doing what you're doing so so what you're saying is that it's not bad guy it's bad guy, guy. Yes. <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> uh, the game itself is a hex-based strategy game where the player navigates uh, their mecha units in a turn-based fashion around the battlefield uh, you attack enemies when they're in range of the unit's weapons and the the one-on-one battles are active so that the player is able to choose between several kinds of weapons or they could retreat. Huh. Um, and the in-battle dialogue and cutscenes are what advance the plot of the game. So ah, you're, okay. you're kind of fighting the fights in between these cutscenes and, and and whatnot that are getting you through the, the story. So that makes sense. That yeah. that kind of lines up with what we were talking about initially with oh, yeah. the track where we think it was going. So hmm. It's funny that we come to this break and we talk about this portion of uh, Ryu's life so Ryu Umamoto was fond of math and science, and as a young child, he developed a passion for anime and sci-fi, and Gundam was actually one of his favorite shows as a child, makes so sense. it was only fitting that one of his first few games was this title. <laughs> that really makes sense. Yeah. So we're going to get to our next track, which is Princess Maker 2. It's on the PC-98, MS-DOS, Microsoft Windows, Sega Saturn, FM Towns, PC Engine, Mac, and something called the GP32, also known as the Game Park 32. Never heard of that one before. Hmm. This is the 1993 release, and I believe this is the PC-98 version of the track, and it's called Battle.
Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Princess Maker 2, the PC-98 release. And that was 1993's release. That was Battle. And that was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> I have to say, as as a fan of Final Fantasy music, I think I want this to be my battle theme. Right, right. This was this was this was way better than than expected. Not mm-hmm. that I expected it to be bad or anything, sure. but I, I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I mean, I'll, I'll point out at first the galloping bass that we both often Have enjoy fondness of. <laughs> yes, yes. That was sort of picked up right off the bat, but that was really cool. The, just the fact that it, it kind of kept going throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I also feel like the, this song sounds like. I mean, it, it sounds like video game music, but it sure. sounds like it's from an anime. I was going to say it sounds like a western. A western? Yeah. Oh, I could see that. that I I just I got a real western vibe from that portion of the track. I I could see that the, the that that melody does mm-hmm. have a, have a bit of a, of a western twang to it. Mm. But o- overall, just like the, the the piece itself, I don't know. It feels like something out of like an anime chase sequence to me. Okay. Um, okay. Which, considering the developer, shouldn't be super surprising. No, no. <laughs> the, also mentioning my my enjoyment of Final Fantasy, there there was sort of towards the middle end there uh, a, a bit that felt Final Fantasy esque, mm. which, which I thought was was very very cool considering it, it's a battle theme. And I was like, oh, that that sounds like it was pulled out of a Final Fantasy battle theme. Yeah, I mean, it fits in line yeah. with. It's not quite as shreddy. No, as like something from like Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, for example. But it it does fit right in line with I, I would say a Final Fantasy title. So yeah, no, yeah, but it was sense. it was definitely kicking. Yeah, kicking in the pants. <laughs> so this is developed by Gain Gainax Gainax Gainax. I don't know. I think it's Gainax. So the game is featuring a character who encounters a strange meteor that falls from the sky. And someone from the heavens, like a god-based personality, I don't know, thing, (laughs) dude, from the heavens tells you that it's a daughter who is now your responsibility to raise. Can you you imagine (laughs) that? You're just walking around, and then all of a sudden you see a meteor land, and then God's just like, yo, this is your daughter. Guess what? Your problem now. Yeah, yeah. Peace. (laughs) And then he pieces out. (laughs) So, uh, essentially, this game is a life simulator, and the whole purpose is you raise a princess from ages 10 to 18, and all the stuff that's going on in the background, it's like a warring faction that's going on behind the scenes between, like, your kingdom and a bunch of demons. So, Hmm. yeah, it was kind of hard to follow along, because this one, I I couldn't find any uh, English translation or kind of English information. Maybe it has an English translation now. I don't know, but yeah, so... If it was released on Windows, I'm sure somebody is a fan and probably did like an English translation. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of those out there. Yeah, true. By the way, I wanted to mention that all the information that we're getting for Ryu Umamoto's life uh, has been paraphrased from a Gamasutra article uh, that was written by a close friend of his, Odon Sorli. So I just wanted to mentioned that we will post a link to the full transcript just so we you know we're crediting the correct person 
for this information for where we're getting it, but most of the information has been rewritten and re-paraphrased. So right, right. Just using you know, our own words. Yes, yes. So just so we stay on track. So tell me a little bit about Ryu. So at this point in Ryu's life, video games were quickly becoming a thing, and some of Ryu's earliest experiences with video games were titles like Elevator Action. He and his brother got an NES as a gift one year, but later they would get access to the PC-88 computer system, which also allowed Ryu to learn how to program. And of course, to clarify, it, it was a Famicom on the NES. Oh, I, I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah. Written, I'd written NES. No, they, they imported it from America. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, of course. So that totally makes sense. Those yeah. American exclusives. Hey, at least they would get longer chords. I mean, <laughs> you know. Chords that you can disconnect. Yeah, those Famicoms, man. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. So he's, he's starting to uh, learn how to program his own games so that way he can, you know, kind of figure out how to develop uh, music for it. So, um, yeah. yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more about uh, his inspiration with music. But for now, why don't we get to our next track? This is Ground Seed, and this is one of the games that he's most well known for. Mm. It's the PC-98 release in 1996. This track is called Strain Tension, and this is the OPNA version. <laughs>
hits. All the bits. XVGM Radio. All right, that was Ground Seed, not Ground Seed, no D. No. No. You get no D. So that was the PC-98, and that was 1996 for the year of release. The track is Strain Tension, and that was the OPNA version, which is very, very clearly the OPNA version because of those drums, those really meaty, punchy drums. Yeah. Sounds like you're punching a drum in the face. (laughs) Or a drum is punching you in the face. Well, as long as you deserve it. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good track. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say that a lot. I said it most, almost every track, track we play. <laughs> but no, so the, the first thing... We just got, have the best taste. I mean... I mean, her, her. we do. I, I can't argue that. <laughs> but no, I, I immediately got like a rock vibe off of, off of this. And I was surprised that it didn't sort of go into a more rock place. But it it was very. I don't know if industrial is really the the place that that, that they went with it. But it was very laid back. It was kind of like a, a like a laid back rock riff. Those drums definitely give it an industrial vibe. Yeah, that, well, that, that's the, the thing. those those really punchy drum sounds. And then on top of that, you've got that really kind of quirky uh, electronic vibe to it. Yep. That that you know the I, I can't even replicate it with my mouth. It's just like you know about the baseline. Yeah, like the do 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 do. And and it sounds so familiar. What does it sound like, Justin? So what it sounded like to me is a, a song from a game that came out an entire year later. That game was a small game that not many people have heard of called Final Fantasy VII. Oh, that was an indie release. Yeah. Yes, yes. And the, uh, the the track is actually called Under the Rotting Pizza. Uh, <laughs> the baseline sounds very. It's not the same. It's not right. the same by any means, but it sounds very similar and it yeah. harkens to that. It's got the same vibe. Yes, yes. Very very similar vibe. Yes. Yeah. I would I would say when well listening to the song, I got sort of this 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 vibe of like hanging out with people in like I don't want to say the slums but kind of like a rundown area sure the slums I guess yeah um, and then that's that's when my mind went oh this sounds a lot like that other that mm-hmm. other song and I was like oh okay but it's it's so like chill yeah it's like rock industrial chill uh, yeah I'd say a little bit of hip hop too no, yeah. in terms of the vibe I don't know yeah it's kind of hip hoppy so Ground Seed is developed by Studio Twinkle. This game is arguably what Umemoto is most famously known for, which is what I said before. It's a bit of an RPG light type of game uh, without any kind of randomized enemy spawns. Uh, there's no need to change out equipment or collect money or items. It's more like Chrono Trigger where the enemies will be like on the screen already and then you just have to kind of face off against them. So, you know, you run up to them battle ensues, etc, etc. The the plot involves two high schoolers, a boy named Akira, and a girl named Konami. Not like the Konami sound like... I don't know. Well done, well done. That's probably the best I'm going to get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when the two lovebirds find a magic orb, they are transported to a more magical medieval time, and apparently your mission is to save the world you came from by saving the one you're in now. Oh, wow. Kind of neat. It's like I said. It's kind of Chrono Trigger esque in that aspect. Like you go to what is it like six hundred eighty? Oh yeah. And then it's like you have to do something then to save somebody from the future. Right. right. You play so. something somewhere so that it's there when you go, when you right. go there in the future. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. 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 Tell me a little bit about Umimoto now. Where are we at in his life? So now we're moving on into the high school years. Uh, so Umemoto found... It's like Saved by the Bell? Yes. The high Umemoto, school years? Sa- saved by the Umemoto. Now I just picture like Umemoto with like Zach oh. hair, you know? <laughs> he just comes in, time out. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write some music. Time out. I'm going to go make this chill soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Umemoto found inspiration in music during his high school years, uh, becoming fans of bands like Electric Light Orchestra. Yellow? Yellow? 
E-L-O. Oh, E-L-O. Yes, yes. yes. I thought you were saying hello at first. <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, yes, E-L-O. Uh, his video game skills advanced as well. He got better at beating his brother. With him even winning a Life Force tournament for speedrunning the game. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That that tournament was actually sponsored by Konami themselves. Yes, Konami, not Konami. <laughs> so in that circumstance, it was... Oh, uh, God. I'm so sorry. Getting better and better. I'm so sorry. Everyone is just like, please don't. It's all right. I'm going to move us on. Yeah. I'm going to move us on to an next song. Please do. Yeah. What do we got <laughs> so next? So next up, we're going to listen to a track from Eve Burst Error. That was a PC-98 and FM Towns, Saturn, Windows, and PS2 game uh, that came out in 1995. I believe this is the PC-98 version, and the track is called Shopping. Welcome back. That was Eve Burst Error, released on the PC-98 in 1995, and the track that we listened to was called Shopping. Shopping! Shopping! For all of your shopping needs. <laughs> it's uh, it very, very, very... Um, 
feel like it was kind of samba-esque. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I know you said... Um, lounge. lounge. Very loungy. Yeah. Very Muzak-ish. Yes. I was, Good yeah. music for shopping. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of like elevator shopping music. Yeah, yeah. So I think the title is appropriate. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. This is something that I would use in like a commercial. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah, fair. yeah. So I've seen this game for the Saturn, but I don't know much about it. So you'll have to clue me in. So Eve Burst Error um, was another semi-famous game. Uh, it was developed and published by Seasware. Uh, we spoke about them earlier, and it, it's one of Seasware's most notable. Uh, the original version was an outright hentai game, nice. uh, meaning that it featured full nudity, sexual content, all that crazy stuff. But by the time it made it to America, it was altered to be an etchy game. Right. The, uh, the explicit content was reduced to things like sexual innuendo and partial nudity. And, and I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit more comfortable with that. Like, if it's just full-on hentai, I'm just like, I don't know, it kind of skews me out a little bit. It's a little weird. I mean, that just you means know? that you are not the type of person to play a hentai game. I, uh. <laughs> I, there's nothing, I don't have anything against them. Yeah. I just, like, what's the best way to put it? I'd rather window shop than... I don't know. Then have like, to work for it. Then have to like break in and steal the baked goods. Like uh, I don't know. I don't know if I get your metaphor, but I, I, I can kind of see the like. I you'd, <laughs> you'd rather watch something without having to like it, it partake was, in it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 like yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, it's I, hard I, to explain. It's. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with those types of games. Uh, I mean, if, if you're someone who likes those games, sure. then that's that's your thing. It's not Mike's thing. It's not my thing either. Mm. I I think the only time that it really becomes problematic is when the content is problematic, or when you are possibly addicted to doing things like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can be addicted to porn too, so that's just as yeah, bad. Yeah. There's a lot of like really kind of sketchy stuff that happens, like you know, characters getting groped when. Oh. You know, by other characters, in, yeah, and, um, you know, inappropriately, and I don't know that that like I I saw that in like the one of the newer Senran Kagura games, really, yeah, and it, it was like an intro cutscene sort of thing, and it was like one of the female characters started like grabbing the other female character and who wasn't into it at hmm. all, and it was just one of those things where it just completely turned me off for the game. You yeah, know? La- lack of consent is definitely a bit yeah, of a turn off. I mean, it, bit. that that whether or not it leads to anything, it it feels very rapey. Yes. And you know what? That's not okay. No, not yes. at all. So the story itself revolves around two characters, Kojiro Amagi, who's a detective, and Marina Hojo, who is an international special agent. Hmm. They each take cases that seem unrelated, but as the game goes on, the cases begin to coincide more, and there's there's more crossover hmm. uh, the further you get in. Uh, one of the things that made this game so unique at the time was the ability to switch between character stories at any point. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so like a lot of games that had multiple characters with multiple, like with each with their own stories. Mm. Like for example, Wild Arms. Yes, Wild Arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild Arms. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. in Wild Arms, you you play three different characters, and eventually they cross over, but we can't, can't change over on the fly. Exactly. Right. 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 Um, and then certain parts of the game actually require cooperation between the characters as well. So eventually, you're going to get to a part where you have to, hmm. you know, move the other character along so that you can get to where you need to be and and join up. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it seems like a cool game. Like I said, I've seen it. All the time in like my local video game stores because people trade it in. I don't know uh, hmm. if there's just like a sea of people who are like, this looks cool, it's got a cool art, and they buy it and then they're like, oh, whoops, I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> so then they return it or like trade it in. Hmm. So, anyways, Ryu Umamoto formed some bands during this time that were inspired to play music similar to video game music that he appreciated. So his first band was called Tail Gunner. 
He started playing drums in the band, taking inspiration from rhythms and beats. So we can kind of see that in his oh, music yeah. throughout. It was at this point that he made the decision shortly after graduating high school to become a video game composer instead of taking over the family business and going to college. Hmm. So definitely I've I've been there where like you do one thing and your parents want you to do another. Oh yeah. Always very frustrating and and I would imagine especially in Japan uh where you know their their expectations their, their expectations yeah. are different than in like America or Europe or whatever. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, as this story unfolds, uh, the tale of Ryu Umamoto. But now we have another track, and we're entering into the 2000s. So what do you got for us? Ooh. So next up you're going to hear from Saivariar, which is a, an arcade game that also came to the PS2. came out in 2000, and the track is called Weak Boson. You're listening to XVGM Radio, and thank you. <laughs> so that was Saivariar, which came out on the arcade and PS2 systems in 2000, and the track was called Weak Boson. Um, You're no a weak boson, buddy. Nice, nice. <laughs> it's a weird word because there's no space between it. It's not weak boson, it's weak boson. Yeah, yeah, There's. it's just one word. But, uh, what do you the, think of this one? Uh, the one thing I'll say about this one is techno. I was going to say Dreamhouse. Dreamhouse, oh, okay. Yeah, that okay. whole Robert Miles, like, children track. Oh, da, da, okay. da, 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 da. That's fair. Da, da, da. You know, like, it's got that. It's basically like, take a backbeat, 
Throw like a really kind of lucid piano over it that just kind of plays random notes. <laughs> but this one was more like frantic, I would yeah, say. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, I, I really enjoyed the piano in this one. Yeah, um, same here. There, there's a technique that I, I don't know the name of, and I'm sure someone who listens to this podcast will know what I'm talking about. But it was like there's a, there's like a delayed doubling of the notes hmm. that was just really interestingly used. But now the, the, the very first thing that I noticed about the song is mm. we are now in, in my wheelhouse of music, uh, and that is techno. I was yes. just like, yes, give me that beat. Give mm-hmm. me that beat. Uh, I'm going to call it a uh, double trouble. Double Trouble? All right. Yeah, that's the we'll unofficial that. name, Double Trouble. <laughs> so, what type of game is this? So, Saivariar is a vertical scrolling shmup, uh, shoot 'em up game, which was developed by Success Corporation and published by Taito for their Taito GNet arcade cabinet, and then Success actually published it for the PS2. Ooh, okay. The game's controls were fairly simple. I mean, you can move around the screen, you can fire, you can roll by rapidly moving left and right and your your ship will roll, and you can fire while rolling. Are you trying to tell me that you can do a barrel roll? You can do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll! Okay. One of the interesting things about this game is your hitbox is a one-by-one pixel, which is... What? Yeah, it's, it's very different. You basically have to get hit dead on. Um, and the reason that it's a one-by-one pixel in the center of your ship is because this game has uh, what it calls a buzzing system. So by rolling to narrowly avoid enemies or coming close to an enemy shot but not getting hit in your hitbox, uh, you, you'd receive a buzz. And after enough buzzes, your ship would level up. Hmm. Um, gaining a certain amount of levels transforms your ship and your firing patterns. So there's a total of six different ship forms in all. Uh, I think level 88 is, is the, 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 the sixth and final form. And hmm. I don't know how many buzzes it takes to get there, but it's pretty cool. And you actually keep... Your your the levels and the the transformations you get between stages and between deaths. Hey man, I'm tired of all your ship. Uh, buzz off. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh what about Ryu was going on in his life? Yes. So obviously his parents were not happy with his decision to become a game composer, and he ended up leaving home to start his career. So you know, abandoned his family and his job and everything. Wow. Moved out. So he began working for a company called FamilySoft, which we touched on a little bit earlier. He only lasted there about a year, and Himiya Soft was his next stop. He was working on much more sexual titles, which as we were talking about earlier is called Iroge, yeah. or uh, Echi Games. Uh, while this was becoming a hot new trend in Japan, it quickly died down due to a flood of inferior titles. So basically, the market got flooded, and the games got worse and worse and worse, yeah. but you know, that's kind of how it goes. Um, when you when you put out so much content like that. So Seasware was an offshoot of the company and they began working on higher quality titles. So they kind of made it their mission to make games that weren't garbage. As, yeah, that weren't <laughs> garbage, you know, that weren't just an excuse to see some, you know, giblets. Giblets. Yeah. Digital giblets. D- digital giblets. That's what I like D- to call Digilets. Digilets. Proper name for it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's gonna be kind of a bumpy road from here because we're gonna learn more and more about what happened to him, and you know, kind of also again touching on the soundtracks that we've kind of already talked a little bit about. So you know, we wanted to purpose this whole discussion on Umimoto's work to kind of give you a little teaser, a little taste with each break. So, yes, yes. but we're gonna move into our next track, and this one came out in 2005. This is Espgaluda 2, and this came out in Arcade and 2005. This track is called Mutiny, Fate is with the Girl. Hmm. 
night. Put your E and glow sticks away. Aww. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. That was Espagluta 2, and that came out in the arcade in 2005. Uh, the track was Mutiny, Fate is with the Girl. Uh, there's also uh, something called like a black label version of this soundtrack. It's like a remixed versions of the songs, but I really love this version of the of this yeah. of this track. Well, are the remixes done by Ryu? I believe so. Yeah, oh. I couldn't find that much information on it, but I believe that they are. I'll have to look that up because it's like a newer version of the game, or like a ported version of the game. Oh, it's called like okay. Black Label or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. I think it came out on Xbox 360. So yeah, there, there, I think there's a few other games in his catalog that um that, that have done similar mm-hmm. things. Yeah, but ooh, wow. If I mean, if if it's a remix of this and it's also done by mm-hmm. him, then I'm gonna go get that. Yeah. This was awesome. Yeah. Progressive uh, trance. Oh, I love this stuff. So good. It's like, it's not happy hardcore. I'd no. say this is more progressive trance. Yeah. Just because it's got that really hyper energetic, super happy melody, but it's not like so saccharine sweet, like happy hardcore type stuff. Yeah. It's also not super, super fast. Like right. a lot of happy hardcore yeah. is. Like, that's just. It's all like booty, 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 yeah. booty, booty. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, this was, this was very much like. like techno and j-pop almost like yeah. it, not not for the entire thing but there were there were segments of it where it was it felt very j-pop to me mm-hmm. this was super cool and super fun yeah love it love this type of music so esp galuda 2 which is really again really hard to say it is a bullet hell shooter by cave so this is when he started working for cave but again we'll, we'll touch on cave a little bit more uh, later on in the podcast so it's a game where you collect gemstones and you're a ship collecting gem- gemstones and you can perform a process called Seirei Seki, which slows enemy attacks down. There's also a score attack multiplier depending on how many enemy bullets you can destroy. Now after a huge blowout battle called the Great Shinra War, the land of Soma has to pull itself back from the depths of humanity's failures. And a project was created called Project Esp Galuda, which took young gifted children and transform them into the Galuda, equipped with metal wings. So you're not, you're like a human ship, if you will. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure how that is the answer to almost wiping out a planet, but uh, maybe just plant some crops and don't be a jerk to others? I don't know. I mean... (laughs) That's yeah. what I would do. I mean, that's you know, rules of life. Don't, like, be, don't be a dick. Like, where does the is the line drawn where they're like, you know what's going to save humanity? Metal-winged children. Yeah. <laughs> Grotesquely modifying yes. our children is the way to go here. Oh, clearly. Let's do it. Yeah. It's funny because uh, one of the things I was thinking of is the, the, the song reminded me of a lot of other, like, more modern bullet hells like the mm. really flashy yeah. a lot of, lot of bright colors mm-hmm. some games that aren't quite I want to say it's like E4 uh, had it on the Xbox uh, Xbox Live Arcade okay that's sort of similar like similar style music mm. and, and then you said it's a bullet hell shooter so of yeah. course yeah it makes perfect sense these games I just can't get into I don't know what it is I mean like they should be fun mm. but they're not I think part of the problem is I I feel like I know that it requires intense memorization, but I feel like it's impossible. Yeah. So, because it's not like... I guess it's a lot more hardcore and it's less approachable than something that's more difficult in terms of, like, a platform, action platformer or a shooter right, right. shmup or, you know, a running gun. Like, to me, those games are a little bit more manageable, but the fact that there's so many bullets on the screen... That's the problem that it, I have. Yeah, it throws me off. And so, because of that, I kind of prefer more like retro style 
shooters, you know, vertical. Like R-Type and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, R-Type, Gradius. Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of, like, cute em ups Oh, like yeah, Like the yeah. Parodius series, yes. that type of stuff, or Troubleshooter, whatnot, so... <laughs> Yeah, so tell me a little bit about uh, Ryu. Where are we at with Mr. Umimoto? So, after working for Seasware, Ryu ended up working with several composers, such as Hiroyuki Kano. Uh, It was right around this time that they created soundtracks like Desire and Eve Burst Error, which I heard earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, both of which were critically acclaimed for their storytelling and music. Ryu became a Buddhist at this point, which also would inspire his music. However, the developers were pushed to create more sexual scenes in these games, so the two composers decided to leave the company and work for themselves. Sounds like they just wanted to kind of back off like what we were talking about before, where it's like, you know, you're you're putting your name on a product that you may not necessarily agree with, and, you know, especially with him becoming a Buddhist, Buddhist yep. I, I don't think there's too many rules in Buddhism where it's like, yeah, be okay with, you know... Sexualization uh, and yeah. all this other weird stuff that they like to put in there. Yeah, no, he, he probably took issue with some of the things that were going on in these games mm-hmm. and was just like, I need to back out now. Right. And as we said before, it's it's beyond just sexy pinup girls mm-hmm. doing cute things. It's more like naughty adventures with tentacles and whipped cream. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which, hey, sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. Hey, oh! Speaking of. Uh, that kind of brings us into our next track. Yes. So the next track that we're going to hear is from a game called Ano Machi no Koi no Uta, which came out on Windows in 2006, and the track is called Tease. Oh, it's it's a tease, all right. <laughs> Welcome back. That was... Ridiculous. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Uh, but the, so the game that was from was Ano Machi no Koi no Uta, which came out on Windows in 2006, and the song was called Tease. I love it. I love everything about it. 
<laughs> it was an interesting song. This sounds like a lost Cowboy Bebop track. I would agree. Yeah. Um, especially with the like the like the Spanish guitar in there. Oh, absolutely. Once um, that came in, I was like, oh, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. It, I mean, it starts off almost like, um, I don't want to say James Brown, but just like that, 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 that do, almost do, like sexy do, bass. Do, and then you do, hear... And then sound effects. I mean, like, okay, go back and listen to this track again. And I dare you to try to not like point and do like random because like I'm si- we're sitting here we're listening to the track again and I'm just like every time a little like sound effect like the whoo comes in I'm just like pointing in one direction versus the other raising my arms up just being goofy so it's it's, it's a, a really fun, yeah really fun track yeah. yeah I'm glad you picked it uh, it was it, it's super goofy but like I said I mean with with this I mean in memory and celebration I I think this is this is a good celebration yeah. it's goofy it's silly it made me laugh mm-hmm. and it it was by no means poorly composed a lighthearted childish yes. look at Ryu Umamoto as well yeah. you know we we've been talking about him growing up as a kid playing video games with you know his little brother and everything and kind of like learning programming and you know you you can kind of see that childlike wonder kind of come out in this track so I thought it was really well done yeah. so goofy yes. but well done <laughs> thank you <laughs> so this game Anomachi no Koi no Uta uh, which roughly translated means a poem of love in that city or song of that city mm. it's a Japanese H game which is a hentai game visual novel type thing that was developed and published by P Factory mm. unfortunately I wasn't able to find a whole lot about this game okay. what I was able to find was a very brief synopsis of the story so mm. the main character is a guy named Kyo Uh, He lives an ordinary, boring life doing nothing special, just enjoying his life with his friends. One day, he gets involved in an accident that happens at a large yearly festival in his hometown. Uh, His ordinary life becomes extraordinary due to this accident, and this is apparently a love story Hmm. with four girls as they try to escape Kyohei's extraordinary life. Hmm. Kind of sounds a little golden boyish. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Interesting. All right, then. But yeah, no, really fun track. Um, I'd be interested in checking out this game, but you also say it's a hentai game, so I'm kind of like... Yeah, v- visual novel. I don't think it's uh, it's as much... like It's, it's as straight hentai as like the Seaswear games sure, were. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but it, it, from, from what I'm seeing, it, it is a visual novel with hentai elements. Right, right. Uh, it also doesn't look like it was ever translated to English, which mm. is the reason I had so much trouble finding information makes on it. Makes sense, makes sense. So you'd have to... Um, play through it in Japanese. All right, <laughs> but fair it enough. On Windows. So Umamoto was a very driven individual, as if you couldn't tell from his music. He puts every ounce of his fiber into it. Uh, he would often agree to work on titles on extremely tight deadlines, with less than three months' time to pursue and push out these soundtracks. With coding in MML and assembly, it was quite the chore because that's what they used back then. His health started to fail him and fatigue and stress started to set in during this time. And he was also working on trying to repair his relationship with his father who had now heard of his son's success. Hmm. So aside from playing drums, he didn't have any composition experience with actual instruments. So this left Umamoto out of work during the shift in musical styles that was wanted by developers. So as the technology grew and grew, and they started using things like assembly and MML coding less, he was kind of, he got kind of like placed out of his job. You know, it wasn't looked for anymore. Unfortunately, they were looking for actual composers, you know, around that time. So this is probably like around the like mid to late 90s, if you will, which, you know, there was a huge push 
back then for Red Book Audio style soundtracks and you know just making music with like real instruments, real and instruments stuff, yeah. and everything, kind of away, moving away from those chip tune elements and chip based elements. So we went back to actually live and help with his father uh, with the fishing business during this time. So kind of abandoning for a short time video game music, but he will be back. We promise his story does not end there. So we're going to head into our next track, which is Akai Katana. And this is an Xbox 360 as well as PC game that came out in 2010. This track is called Nehanmon, and it's also called Stage 1. Tune. That was Akai Katana on XVGM Radio. That was on the Xbox 360 and PC in 2010. Released initially in Japan and then came over to America, actually, which, again, we'll talk a little bit more about in a bit. The track was Nehanmon, and that was Stage 1. So Akai Katana is one of the few cave shooters to be released, featuring an Umamoto soundtrack that was released in North America not too shortly after its initial release. So this game involves a blade called the Akai Katana, which was used by some bad people to take over adjacent cities. So now a small group of freedom fighters are trying to take back their lands. It's a you know, as we said before, it's a shmup. It's a shooter, yeah. shoot 'em up, whatever you want to call it. And it's, I believe it's more in line with the other game that we talked about that was a shooter, where, like, you're playing as a person, not as, like, a ship, oh, if I recall. the modified children. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or more like um, Elemental Master, kind oh, of, yeah, sort yeah. of, a little bit like that, but, yeah. So that's Akai Katana. 
this is one of the few games that I've actually seen in stores and was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I've not played it myself, but this soundtrack is just rock and I love this track. You said that it was on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, it, this is a game that you buy in stores or is this digital? Yeah. Or is no, it it's physical. Oh. It was it was released physical. I've seen it in stores, like the physical copy of it. It was brought over by, I think it was Rising Star Games, oh, okay. which was like a publisher that primarily does like North American releases for like Japanese-based games. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that song was, was really good. Yeah, what did um, you think of it? <laughs> it was like nonstop. Yeah. It was... High energy. Yes, that's that's the word. Uh, high energy, super super full of everything, and the uh, the, the, the like dance squealing metal. guitar, dance metal. Uh, I could I could call it dance metal. The, the the guitars sound have have a have a bit of a metal sound to them. Yeah, but the the solos were really really nice. It's weird because what we just talked about before with Umimoto, how he was kind of getting placed out of the work that he was doing but then cave brought him back and kind of like reinvigorated him so i guess i don't know i guess we'll find out more as the story kind of wraps up uh regarding umamoto's lifetime so tell me about uh our our next chapter in umamoto's life yes let us let us continue to turn the page so you mentioned that he went back to help his father with a fishing business Mm. uh, after he was sort of placed out of the job sure uh, because they were moving on to you know more like Red Book audio type stuff. Mm. Uh, however, it was during this time that a new breed of indie developers in Japan began creating doujin games. Mm-hmm. And he was brought in for soundtracks for these, uh, all, along with composer Ryu Takami. Right, yeah, another f- pretty famous PC 98 yeah. uh, composer. So in the early 2000s, Umemoto was back doing what he loved. He even got married to his girlfriend Alyssa. So Umemoto was brought in by Haruhisa Tanaka, a game composer working for a company named Egg, uh, that's capital E, capital G, capital G, right. to remaster old soundtracks of some games. This would actually give him the chance to help restore several old soundtracks to a higher quality, living up to their glory. It was a very stressful job full of lots of hurdles, but Umemoto found it to be rewarding work. It was at this time that his own soundtracks were being re-released as well, bringing him much happiness. He started working for Cave as an in-house composer at this time. Yep, and that's what we've been talking about yep. pretty much more recently. So we're kind of sort of caught up a yeah, little bit. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. So, yeah, great great song, great soundtrack. Um, overall, this is one of the games that I actually really want to check out. So I... We'll have to, yeah, I'll have to pick it up because uh, my Xbox 360 doesn't have enough shooters. I think I only have like Omega 5, which was a Natsume release. But, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think I have Res HD and uh, that E4 game that I was talking about. Mm. I think those are the only shooters that I really have on that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cool. What's our next track? So next up, we're going to listen to a track from Nintu Jump, which was released on the Xbox Live Arcade in 2011. The track is called Autumn.
back, and that was Nintu Jump, which was released on the Xbox Live Arcade in 2011. That track was called Autumn, and I would call it pretty awesome. I would say that I <laughs> fall for that track. Woohoo! Oh, man. So good. Oh, we just lost like 20,000 subscribers. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we gained 20,000 before that joke, and then we immediately we lost, lost them. them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, this was... I, 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 I often pick tracks that, that, that have the, 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 the Japanese element to them. Like mm-hmm. uh, Again, we, I, I, I feel like I'm always talking about the shamisen ever since we had it in the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Guilty Gear episode. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. It just keeps coming back, and I, I swear I don't do it on purpose. The but I really like continuously haunts you. No, it doesn't haunt me. I love it. I um, mean, it, it's a good haunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There it's, you like, go. it's like a tentacle uh, okay. covered in whipped cream. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it's. It's got the like the the, the Japanese flavor in mm. the the flute, and, and then again in that string instrument, and it just it feels so right. And I mean, it makes sense too, considering the game. We'll talk about that in a sec. But mm. what would you think? I love this track. It's fantastic. It's such a great blend of retro and new school for video game music. I mean, yeah, you've got that shamisen in there. Yeah, you've got those more like Japanese elements kind of going that kind of, you know, makes it give like a like a retro vibe in terms of like the whole Japanese style. But ultimately like this is a retro track in and of itself. That that classic PC 98 style bass lick. Yeah. It's just it's so very good. I love it. I, I love the melding of new school and old school. That's yes. the best. So yeah, this is this one really surprised me. I was I mean not surprised in the sense that I thought it was gonna be bad. Surprised in the sense that I was I didn't expect to like this track as much as I did. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So the game itself, mm. Into Jump, is actually a 2D action platformer game, which was developed and published by Cave mm. Interactive. The game is styled to look like a shadow theater, so it, when you're playing the game, in front, uh, on the bottom, there's a row of silhouetted heads that are like in front of a stage, uh, which is also framed by curtains. You control the main character, whose name is Nin Ja, that's N-I-N-J-A, oh, uh, as he tries to rescue Princess Sakura from President Namakura. Uh, and he does this by collecting legendary scrolls in order to trade them for the princess's freedom, basically, President Namakura is holding Princess Sakura hostage mm-hmm. for these scrolls. Ninja has the ability to grapple onto walls, uh, hook and dash, and he has a special ability that kills enemies on touch uh, for a short period of time hmm. when activated. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. The game itself looked pretty neat. Yeah, it uh, looks pretty cool. I'll have to take a look and see if, I can see if it's still in the Xbox Live Arcade. Hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. And the, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, and the whole thing kind of takes place in. I mean, so I was saying the music makes uh, mm. makes sense for the game. It feudal Japan esque, you know, yeah. where, where a lot of the, these ninja stories tend to take place. Right, right. So it looks like this game is available for purchase. It's only about four ninety nine. So you know what I'll be doing after recording this episode? Yep, going to buy <laughs> that game. Now we reach the final part of our journey for Ryu Umamoto's life. Uh, so at this point in time, uh, it's 2011, uh, Umamoto was again seeing his health failing and he looked to Zen Buddhism and the study of DNA and blood matter hmm. as something to pass the time and kind of ease his mind. So through this process, he discovered he was the descendant to the most well-known feudal Japan era general, Takeda Shingen. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he pushed for Cave to release their games overseas and worldwide. He wanted everybody to hear his music. He began working on an adventure game called Instant Brain. However, his work suffered and he became inflicted with chronic bronchitis as well as bouts of insomnia. On top of this, he was losing weight and being incredibly, increasingly stressed due to a potential relocation to Europe, which he had visited previously. He was going to Europe and basically visiting there pretty frequently and... Hmm. Uh, He was trying to make the move there permanently from Japan to Europe. After months of constant hospital visits, unfortunately, he sadly passed away on August 17, 2011. Uh, Instant Brain was finished in 2011 with the help of his former co-composers, Keishi Yono, Hideki Higuchi, Yuji Takenochi, and Wasai303. There are a couple games, actually, that were worked on kind of like posthumously yeah. uh, for his release uh, to, to be released and our next game that we're going to be closing this episode with is actually getting released in 2019 so that's very exciting oh that's right yeah, it's a, um, a re-release or something on the PS4 right to North America yeah it's yeah, coming yeah. finally after you know it's been since 1996 so that's been what 23 years wow yeah almost 23 years huh since the game's released it's finally getting brought over to North America by publisher Spike Chunsoft so that's coming to Steam and PS4 next year oh that's that's awesome pretty exciting I'll have to check it out so we'll talk a little bit more about that game in just a bit but that's kind of the end of Umamoto's journey unfortunately it's very sad and unfortunately we all must come to it Except me, I'm immortal. Oh, well, like yeah. the Highlander. Right, right. Middle note, chop my head off. Yes. Gain his power. Yes. <laughs> so, I hope that everyone really enjoyed this kind of journey that we've taken you on for the memory and celebration of Ryo Umamoto's works, his music, his life. So, we hope that you can maybe reflect on this episode and kind of take something away from it. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. But it's also an interesting thing because we we hear so often of video game composers and their current works or their previous works, and we never really see the door close on a composer. Very very rarely do we get that uh, opportunity to kind of tell their full story. And it's nice that in 2019 we'll be able to continue that story yeah. with the game that will be uh, going out on for the for the outro. So. That's really exciting. Yeah. So what was your favorite of this episode? So hands down, Espgaluda 2. <laughs> okay. That that track was really a lot of fun. It was it was very much in my like in, in wheelhouse. my wheelhouse of, yeah. of stuff that I like to listen to. I mean, you told me to put away the the, the glow sticks and I, I'm gonna hate you forever for that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's I feel like it's a song that I that I could listen to mm. in, in like like a rave sure. or like that that type of a scene uh, mm. which is which is a lot of fun cuz that song was just really pumping. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I am torn because I love the old stuff and I love the new stuff. Yeah, I'm torn between two tracks. Uh, the first is Xenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intro track that we kind of came in on. That is a phenomenal track that I do kind of I've had kind of stuck or burned into my brain. <laughs> Where I'll just be walking and all of a sudden I'll be like do 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 So I really love that track. 
but your Nintu Jump track really gripped me. That Autumn track was yeah. just phenomenal. So I love that bass line, that really heavy, chunky bass line with the, uh, with the Shamisen. So mm. really cool stuff. I, I think I'm going to go with that track. With, with your track, but um, yeah, overall, really, <laughs> you can't lose when it comes to Umamoto. He's just a fantastic composer, and uh, you know we're gonna miss seeing new content from him. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I'm super excited for for the game in 2019, though. That, yeah, that I will be looking forward to. Definitely, yeah. So we want to know what you guys thought of this episode. Leave us a comment either at xvgmradio.com or you can leave us a comment at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash x. VGM Radio. That's the best way to get in touch with us and let us know what you think of the episode. Find the thread that this song or that this episode is in and then post your comments. We want to know what you think, what your favorite tracks were from this episode and what you thought of it overall. Did yeah. you like this style that we kind of approached it with? Do you, did you like how we you know, maybe did it a little differently than we do normal episodes? I know no callers, no commercials, but we wanted to keep this a little more somber. Yeah, yeah I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> you can also reach out to us via our email, uh, xvgmradio at gmail.com. We are also on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. We are at xvgmradio. Yes, and make sure to check us out on iTunes if you do have iTunes. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, let us know what you think of the podcast. That really helps get the word out there and also helps get us notoriety as far as being able to be searched for on the VGM platform. So, yeah. The more people you share us with, the more people that might find a VGM that they enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. So on this somewhat somber note, uh, I also wanted to announce uh, a thing that I'm doing in November. Uh, The weekend of November 3rd, I'm participating in an Extra Life event. Um, That's where we play video games for 24 hours to raise funds for different causes. The cause that I and my team are raising funds for is for local children's hospitals, basically mm. kids with cancer. Mm. Um, so if you are interested in helping out in any way, we will put a link to the Extra Life page where you can uh, make a donation to the cause. I will also be posting on the Facebook group mm-hmm. when, uh, when it goes live. There yep. will be Twitch streams for different people that are, that, uh, that are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know right now we have uh, an Overwatch tournament that we're going to be running and commentating on, um, mm-hmm. and there will be different, uh, different video games that people on, on the team will be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be playing some retro games, mm-hmm. and some modern games. If anyone is interested, like I said, we'll post about it more in the, in the Facebook group yeah. and in the show notes. We'll have a, a link to where you can donate. Yeah, and up to that point, we'll continue to mention this charity cause on the podcast just so, you know, kind of refresh everybody each episode up until that time when the episode was released. So, yeah. Uh, We also want to thank our Patreon subscribers, the people who kindly donate the funds to allow us to buy better equipment and progress the show beyond just a regular everyday Joe Schmo podcast. So <laughs> we like to thank Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Murray, Chris Myers, and Scott Metelholm. Yes. Thank you all very much for your generous contributions. If you want to contribute, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash XBGM radio. We really would appreciate it. Even a dollar helps. We're trying to raise money so that way we can not only pay for our website, but also pay 
for, um, I believe we have our next purchase, which is going to be a mixing board, so that we will be able to record. Do some live shows. Yeah, we could do some live shows. We'll also be able to record with bigger named composers. Yes, yes. Um, so we'll be able to uh, kind of fine-tune the way that we record so it's not as janky and, <laughs> uh, and make it a little bit more professional, if you will. So we would love that. There's a lot of stuff planned down the line, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of that stuff requires financial investment, yes. and as, as you said, every little bit helps, uh, mm-hmm. and it helps us get to that goal mm-hmm. that much sooner. Yeah, absolutely. So, next episode, what do we got? We actually have a guest. We do. Yes. Who is this guest? On episode 10, we are going to be teaming up with Avalanche Jared to talk about... Survival horror games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Avalanche Jared is a buddy of mine from YouTube, and he is a huge, huge fan of all sorts of survival horror games. So Parasite Eve and Resident Evil, Silent Hill, all that stuff. We are pulling out the woodwork to find some creepy crawly tracks for the Halloween season. So that way you'll be able to enjoy it just as much as we do. And we've got some stuff in there that's ambient. We've got some stuff in there that's bumping. we got a lot of really surprising tracks I think you'll really enjoy. So stick around for that. It's coming up in two weeks. Oh, yeah. yeah, and this is the what we're recording right now, what people are listening to right now. This is the first uh, October track. Yeah, so we, yeah, we, we have three, three episodes. episodes in October. Yeah. And the last track comes out. What, what day does that come out on again? Uh, I believe it's Halloween. Oh, my God. Man. Is that right? Yes, that is true. We'll have to do something extra spooky for that. Spooky Halloween spooky. episode. It's going to be awesome. Yes, I'm so excited. Can't wait. So in two weeks, we will reveal the details behind that. But until then, I wanted to leave you with our final track, which is Kono Yono Hate Dekoi Wo Uta Shoujo Yuno. Translated, that means you know a girl who chants love at the bound of this world. This is the game that is coming out in 2019 by Spike Chunsoft. They're the ones publishing it. Uh, There's also been an anime as well. The game, just to kind of give you a little bit of information, uh, involves protagonists that travel between parallel uh, locations and and places, worlds, if you will, so that way they can solve a mystery involving the main character's parents' disappearance. So there's been some other games that have kind of utilized this one, which immediately comes to mind, which I'm playing through right now, is Radiant Historia, which is a really cool RPG. So yeah, this game has come out on PC-98 and Sega Saturn. So this is the PC-98 version of the track that we're going to be listening to. And it's a very heavy, emotionally somber track that we wanted to leave you with. So I want to also leave you with a quote that Umimoto left as one of his, you know, in his final years in 2010, uh, he, he said this quote. So we will get to that in just a few minutes. So again, this is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio. I want to make sure everyone knows the importance of going out in the world and exploring life 
because it has taught me so much. Ryu Umemoto, 2010. involves two high schoolers, a boy named Akira and a girl named Konami. Not like Konami like... Not Konami. Not like... Konami. Not like <laughs> I can't even do it. Wow. <laughs> Good try. Next attempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just put, put the actual sound in there. <laughs> that was developed and published by P-Factory. Mm. I um, wonder if they're cousins with C&C. C&C Music Factory. Oh, uh, oh okay. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, that's that was my failure. I didn't get that. <laughs> um, 